Perverted, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Hey everyone, this is your host Victor Anakin and welcome to Afro Verdict. Today's episode is the second part of the two-part podcast with the Nigerian delegation that explains the different ways how Russia and Nigeria can improve business engagement. Mr. Ajikunle, you are the CEO of Fitzpatrick Energy and Logistics Limited. As a businessman, what's your take on the business opportunities in Nigeria presently? I'm a firm believer in private sector-driven economy with the state regulating. In Nigeria, the state has done most of the business in the past. And I hate to say this, we haven't got a good result. And I keep saying it at different forum. Government has no business in business. Create an enabling environment and let the private sector drive the economy. Set the ground rules, the guidelines, so that the private sector can bring in their core competence, bring in their capital in conjunction with all the partners from Russia and every other client and develop it. And the second point here is the fact that, just like Mr. Makai said, Nigeria has about 60-70% terrible land. We have a population of 200 million. In the 60s, agriculture was the mainstay of the economy. Where we are today, because a lot of people move from the rural areas to the urban in search of white-collar jobs that are not available and created a major crisis. Now, the beauty of it at this present time is what the outgoing president did. Sign off railway infrastructure from the exclusive to the concurrent list. So the private sector can come in build railway infrastructure, roads. And the major challenge for most of the farmers is the challenge of logistics, moving the item from the rural areas to the urban areas. That's why 70% of most of the product perish between that, which is unfortunate. Now, the beauty of it, again, is the fact that the private sector can build massive infrastructure to drive the initiative. And you just mentioned the idea of a farm settlement which is a key point in development of agriculture in Africa and in my country. A lot of people don't know the A to Z of ag- agricultural development and farming. You need the private sector to drive, to build up a formidable guideline and institution program. It's all about project management, and you have a way of monitoring that system. Then when Russia will come in terms of contribution to the development of agriculture in Nigeria, it's two ways. We have a challenge of insecurity, especially in where the major arable farms are domiciled. We need collaboration in the state. That said, you have the challenge of logistics. The railway infrastructure is key. A road infrastructure in partnership with private sector, with the state, given the necessary approval and guidelines. If we have all these in place, I can tell you for nothing that we'll be able to feel not only ourselves, we'll be able to feel the continent of Africa and export other raw materials to all continents on the global stage. Nigeria is one of the most formidable human capital resources in the world. Yeah. I'm saying that with all sense of modesty. And we need to create that intuition and that backup. Like Akimedi said, he said, give me a base of support and I'll shake the world. Give Nigeria all the necessary backup. Nigerians are very enterprising and we want to contribute our own quota to the global community in partnership with our partners, in partnership with Russia. Thank you, Mr. Adekunle, for that insightful comment. I'd like to switch to Mr. Sampson. Since you are the head of the Nigerian diaspora in Russia, tell us how can the Nigerian youth in Russia contribute to developing business ties between Russia and Nigeria? The Nigerian community in Russia is divided into two parts. So there is uh, the Nigerian community itself. 
That's how it is called. And this uh, organization takes care of the welfare of Nigerians in Russia. Uh, but the Nigerian Diaspora Organization is an organization that was created in 2002 by uh, President Olusha Gnubasanjo then. The aim of, uh, the aim of it, uh, the organization is called NIDO. That's the abbreviation of it. Uh, the aim of the organization was uh, to identify uh, the skills of the diaspora that are, the Nigerian diaspora that are um, being used outside Nigeria and find a way to link these skills to help in developing uh, the country. So uh, my, uh, the organization which I'm the chairman is an organization that is helping the Nigerian government to identify the Nigerian skills that are here and uh, see what we can do to build the bridge between uh, Russia and Nigeria. And that's very important because uh, very many Nigerians have studied here. When we talk about the cultural dimensions, the differences in the culture that uh, has not allowed business to work, uh, there are many ways to go about it. I'll still come back to talk about a little bit about the Nigerian community as much as I can. I will be able to say. But... Um, Building the bridge between Russia and Africa, uh, to my understanding, is what can be done. Um, because the Africans, and more particularly Nigerians that have studied here, they have studied the language and they have studied uh, the courses that they came here to study. So they have spent at least five years studying. So five years of studying will give you an understanding of the culture, of the mentality and it just brings you a little bit in to the society of the Russian, of the Russian society, because you speak the language and then you understand the behavior. Uh, but what we have not done, both from the African side and from the Russian side, is that when these people finish their studies, we just leave them and let them go. And these are the people that are supposed to build the bridge and help us understand each other. When the companies, the Russian companies, uh, I have been working with a lot of Russian companies that wanted to or still are interested in going to Africa, uh, but they know nothing or almost nothing about Africa. Uh, my company built uh, um, a marketplace, an internet marketplace, and we're trying to put it in the market. And one question I always had was, when we go to visit the Russian companies that... Um, who is going to Africa? Yes, but um, the bridges are those who have studied and left, or studied and stayed. They still their uh, their knowledge can still be used to build this bridge because people have studied different things. They have studied engineering. They have studied uh, architecture. They have studied uh, in all angles. I have a lot of people who have studied, but they're doing some businesses and have moved to some other places and so on. So we have these people who still speak the Russian. Uh, coming to talk about the uh, Nigerian community here, briefly, um, because the Nigerian community in Russia has its own president. So I will not want to talk on much on his behalf, actually. <laughs> Because he, he does that, he knows. But I think that something that the Nigerian community here is looking for, maybe um, maybe they think about it, uh, maybe not. Uh, but I think that the most important thing is that they are looking for how Russia and Nigeria can have a good cooperation and where they as individuals can benefit from. And this uh, commercial collaboration 
can help drive this uh, to move this forward. I quite agree that it's the private sector that should drive the economy. But we all know that without the big hands and the sledgehammers of the public sector, the private sector will not be able to do anything because the public sectors are, uh, are the ones coming up with the policies. They are the ones um, directing what's going to happen. So the private sector can work just within the ambits of the policies that the, um, that the public sector develops. But quickly, I want to go another dimension about the Russia-Nigerian, Russia-Africa relationship in terms of business, I want to say. Business is a kind of activity that requires trust to some certain extent. And it requires some instruments to make the trust work. When we look at Russia and Africa, we have some basic problems. We had it before, we had more even now, considering the current situation. We have the problems of logistics, we have the problems of financial transactions, and we have the problems of awareness of Russian-made goods to Africa. As Mr. Alov said, lots of good engineering equipment that nobody knows about, and nobody's willing to push it out, and nobody's using the instrument, which are the people that studied here, whether they're Africans or from wherever they are, they came from, nobody's using these things. And these are what we can just let go now because these are there already. These people have studied and they are here. Logistics is a problem that the public sector in Russia will have to solve because infrastructures are needed to close the gap that opened up after some restrictive measures were taken. The cost of moving a container now from Russia to Africa has tripled, and that will definitely affect the cost of the end product. The cost of making financial transactions has, on the average, gone up by between 8 and 10% due to some restrictions also. So putting all of these together, the Russian products will have some challenges competing with other products in the international market. And there are ways to look at these things. I always like to look at history, not the colonial history, actually, of Africa, but the Dutch Empire. If you look at it, it was much of a trading empire, although some things happened, but they were more concentrated on trade. And what happened was that they built or established hubs where their ships can be repaired, offload, load, and move around. Looking at what are the options for Russia to enter Africa at this time, the Western countries, led by Britain and France, had already entered Africa a long time ago. Spain, Portugal, and somehow Belgium. We know what they did. We now see the Chinese are aggressively entering Africa, and they are dominating a big chunk of what could be done on the African soil. And then what's left for Russia to do? I always believe that there's no business that starts with investment. There's no business that starts with big investment. It starts with a little bit of trade, and then trust is built, and then hanging on that trust, investment now can begin to go. But these things can happen pretty, pretty fast. How can the Russian work with Africa? Is to have these hopes. If these hopes are not, if these hopes are not there, then it's going to be um, like trying to stay in your own compound and throwing the hook into somebody else's compound, which there's a pond, and trying to catch a fish from there. Looking at it is that the Russia, uh, from the public sector end, that's from the government side, must discover ways which we know 
I think Mr. Lovis uh, has expanded knowledge on ways of getting Russian companies to Africa. Russian companies cannot stay in Russia and do business in Africa. This is not going to happen. One little example before I stop was a company in Yugoslavia producing construction equipment. I was speaking with them and then they said, okay, they need buyers from Nigeria. I said, okay, I can organize a video conference for you, which they did. And the Nigerian side was asking, I want to have a test drive. Where can I have it? And the answer was, oh, you fly here and come to Yugoslavia and have your test drive there. That's minus one. Second, uh, the Nigerian side was asking, how do I pay? And the Russian side is saying, oh, you give us 100% prepayment. That was minus two. Third was, when can I get the equipment? And the Russian side is saying, after prepayment, then within six months, we'll be able to get these equipments ready and send it to you. I'm just quoting what happened. I was silent in the meeting. I was just like an observer there. And that was minus three. Then the Nigerian side said, one, he's in Lagos, and 30, uh, 30 kilometers from him, there is a big space where you have Caterpillar, uh, Leboher, um, JCB, and I think Komatsu or something, that he can just drive just some few minutes there, and he can have a test drive, and if he wants to buy something, there is an agreement with the bank, and he can get these things on lease, so he can pay within two years or something. And then three is that if he gets what he wants, he can take it away from there straight away. He doesn't need to wait for half a year. So what I'm trying to say is that if you don't have these hopes, if Russia doesn't have these hopes in Africa, if Russia doesn't build that relationship a little bit deeper down, then it's going to be a little difficult for uh, for businesses to grow, to be established and thrive. The public sector, from the programs I saw from Ondo State, I saw it in January when we met in Lagos, there is a very expanded program to develop the state, both infrastructure and some parts of businesses that policies has been laid down that the public sector can run. So there's a very big opportunity and his state is producing, if I'm not wrong, uh, 80% of cocoa in Nigeria. Almost 90%. Almost 90%. And Russia is buying cocoa from Germany, from Italy, from anywhere, but not from his state. So I still think that's this problem of awareness, that it's not there. And that is what we in this organization, NIDO, are trying to build on and trying to make this kind of trips happen so that at least we can begin to talk to each other and see where we can begin to have a click and begin to make it stronger and make it like something that is a useful kind of cooperation in the future. So that's one of the things that the Nigerian community here can really participate in and get this thing going. For those of you who have just tuned in, this is your host, Victor Anakin, and you're listening to Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. We are in a conversation with Samson Uemedimo, the chairman of the Nigerian diaspora in Moscow, who explains that it is important to identify how Nigerian students in Russia can become a bridge between the two countries. Mr. Wormedimo, I'd also like to get your opinion on the following. As you know, at tertiary level, various educational programs have been implemented for African students in Russia. Have you noticed perhaps an influx of Nigerian students to Russia? And will the number of Nigerian youth willing to study in Russia increase? I actually know that some programs are in place, but I don't have the statistics. Um, but what I will say here 
is not the numbers. It is what, um, how do you make use of the numbers that you have? So you may train 100 people and let them go. You may train five and make good use of three. And that makes a little bit of sense because uh, the moment people finish studying, then they begin to think of self-independence. That they're looking for a job. And the moment they get a job outside Russia, all what we're talking about now is off the table. Because they do their job wherever they got the job, and they're getting their money, and they're thinking already of how to maintain themselves, maintain their future, and so on. So if this is not... If there's no, uh, if there's no formula to attach some kind of ways to make use of these people in a way that will be beneficial to everybody, that's what the public sector in Russia and the public sector in Nigeria and private sectors in both countries or Russia and Africa because the whole of Africa still needs what Russia knows. So I think um, uh, the, quanti- the numbers are important, but I think the most important thing is how we use, how we make use of these numbers. Very interesting engagement here we have in this evening. Let me clarify one thing. When you mentioned the idea that private sector, the economy should be private sector driven, I wasn't in any way jettisoning the contribution of the public sector. Public sector is critical. Without public sector, the private sector can move one inch. Now, I compare the relationship, the synergy between public and private sector to a relay race, four by 100 meters. You have four personnel, and you must, each party must bring one of the best to partake in the race. Two on the public sector, two on, on the private sector. Who is going to take the first step of faith? First leg, second leg, third leg. There must be equal participation and understanding and cohabitation in terms of what is the vision and the objective of this business venture we want to go into. Who is going to take the lead role and who is going to take the driving? It's like you, it's like an aircraft. There's the taking off and there's the cruising and the landing. It has to come with seamless contribution and engagement and commitment, which is very fundamental. The second one is the fact that the engagement we're having now it shouldn't be a one-off engagement. Uh, we're here today, we're going back on Saturday. Then come another six months or one year down the line, we're having another uh, B2 meeting. And No. My take, when you were talking, when Mr. Owe was talking and to Mikhail, was the fact that there's a need to build, to have what you call investment ambassador among the entrepreneur that are, Haran now and the ones that are going to come next month and the few months after. What is the objective? What's the function of those ambassadors? Is to sell the idea to their counterpart in different countries and push with it with so much vigor and vitality. And what, like you said, whatever the mind of a man can conceive, the mind oh, can believe, the mind can achieve. I believe in this commitment. I've had it for so long. Then, Mr. Well, add to it. The third one is the fact that I have a thousand, my company has a thousand acres of land that we're developing a mixed accommodation, residential accommodation, and industrial complex. What's the idea of the industrial complex? It's a beautiful vision I had. And I said to myself, I'm going to do this. I'm an incurable optimist. 
My cup is perpetually up full as against half empty with all the challenges. If you're coming to Nigeria, all you need to come as an industrial industrialist, just come with your briefcase. You have a facility waiting for you with the state of the art infrastructure. And I'm doing this. We're starting fully uh, Q3 of this year. And by the special grace of God, we're going to complete it. And this is to bring companies from different countries and bring your uh, investment, what's it called, to Nigeria. Set up your manufacturing outfit, your assembly plant, and water view. And we'll give you the necessary backup. Well, you'll probably see it online very soon. Thank you. My next question for Prince Ologbese Adibaboye, who is the Honorary Commissioner for Regional Integration in the Ondo State of Nigeria. One of the hot topics on the international agenda is the grain deal, which had been extended despite the sanctions. What's your take on this? Yeah, thank you very much. I think when you look at it from the holistic view, I think the sanction is uncalled for to start with because we you don't have to begin to say, okay, you want to actually say, you want to punish someone in the name of okay and um, punishing the entire family. So it is actually wrong for this sanction. But even at that, when issues like this, you look at the mechanism of coming out of it. And this part of the mechanism is quickly for Russia to begin to look inward in Africa, positioning their investment towards Africa. Because long before, now, even before the sanction, how many of Russian vessels comes to Africa? That should tell you that there's no serious mutual business ties between the Russian and the African. If it has been existing by now, they'll begin to look at the smooth running of it. But right now, we want to start from a scope of a new template to see now that how can they actually come out of this whole thing. And when you look at it very well now, and that is why a lot of people now believe now that you, the, the, the West is actually putting out a policy that actually favors them, not considering other people. These are part of what had actually suffered Africa in the past. We believe the West is coming around to transform Africa for us. And we, we, we don't believe in ourselves. We don't believe that we could actually reform Africa. I transit from Cairo down to Russia. I was impressed with what I saw in the airport in Cairo. No, no, no. This is highly commendable. Well structured. Keen into the tourism business for a global standard. And look at even the Arabs that have the oil. Dubai felt, okay, the West has made a lot of money from tourism. Let's get into that. Dubai has become another new hub of tourism in the whole world. So it shows the serious-minded people with a serious focus to attain anything. Now with the template Russia is going right now, they could provide the genuine and sincere leadership for Africa to thrive. Because I come around, I look at the infrastructure in place and look at the real business. Russia can key into it in Nigeria position themselves. Now that the federal government has actually removed a lot of bottlenecks to restrain private business from coming on board. So they will come around and invest and make their money. Now we have Ondo DC port coming on board right now. We have gotten our allowances. It might interest you to know right now we're working on a project right now to design Ondo State for a business hub of the entire Southwest. So meaning that Russia can come in in that area. So that means we can begin to have a rail track from Ondo to Ekiti to Oshun for lighter terminals. So this investment that could actually strengthen the business ties of the Africa as a whole. Then when you look at Africa's, we see ourselves as one now. 
Ghana doses when Africa doesn't see themselves as one. But we see ourselves as one. And a lot of scholars actually believe now that with the, with the, with the level of exposure, because Africa, when you look at the roles, even the Africa played in developing the West, am I interested to know the numbers of graduates you see in America? Nigeria is contributing a lot to that in the area of it. Hmm? Sorry, that's a majority. Majority. Even in Canada right now, when you look at the numbers of students, foreign students, Nigeria is playing a lead role on that. And uh, they are keen into the system. So we feel now that with this potential right now, we have a lot of Africa who had made it in the diasporas. And that's why diaspora has actually identified these people. So that let's come on board to say the strength in Africa. Thank you very much. And as a follow-up, you said that Nigeria is more focused on trade and the economic aspect of relations. In this regard, the trend of shifting away from trading in the U.S. dollar to using national currencies, or even a proposed BRICS currency perhaps, is often discussed today. Do you believe that in order to intensify the cooperation between Russia and Nigeria, this move could be the solution many countries are looking towards? And is there any progress in this regard? Yeah, this will be a very fantastic idea because uh, when you look at it very well, China has actually been a major exporter to Nigerian products. That's why the federal government was looking at that area to begin to say that, okay, why we begin to convert our dollars into yen? Why don't we convert Naira into yen and begin to do our transaction to make it more easier? So if you are coming, if Russia is coming on board on this template, it will actually straighten the business tight and make it more comfortable for us to run a smooth business with the Russian community. Thank you. Mr. Mikhail Orlov, as an expert in business, being the chairman of the Russian-Egyptian Business Council, what's your opinion? You know, I have been uh, operating in Africa. I had a, a farming operation in Zambia, as I said. And one of the things which is missing on both sides, Russia and Africa, for the outside world is information. Because Africa also has a lot of things to offer which nobody has ever heard of. And I will say even worse, when you, when you ask the majority of people what is Africa about when you talk about economical figures and all that, everybody has, or a lot of people I would say, have, have the feeling that all what uh, uh, Africa needs is assistance. And I go as far as saying that assistance is actually damaging Africa. Now, I'm not saying for the areas where people are starving and where you need to save human lives. That's another issue. But on, on, on a lot of things, I think that what will be a driver for, for anybody is, is cooperation, is ventures, it's a, a participative interaction. My belief is enormous. The important thing, though, is A, that we have sufficient exchange of information because there is a lack of information on both sides, about both sides, and the, the willingness uh, of, uh, of uh, Nigeria or Africa not to wait for somebody to come and solve the problem, but to say, let's do it together proactively as a partnership. 
Because then I'm very sure we'll see a lot of results with the participation of Russians, with all the Russian technology, but also with the participation of Nigerians, with the Nigerian capital, and also with all the Nigerian know-how, because you need to know how to operate in your specific country. So I see a lot of potential, but the important thing is that we we have this matchmaking process starting, uh, starting from information, but then implementation also. And we thank our honorable guests for joining AfroVerdict today and wish them a safe trip back home. To sum up, cultural exchange is critical for the development of business relations. However, what is most important is that Africa begins to believe in its own ability without relying on foreign partners for development. Dear listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's episode and don't forget that you can find our AfroVerdict podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Pocket Casts, CastBox, Deezer, and Afripods. Check out the Sputnik Africa Telegram channel, Facebook, and Twitter accounts to always be up to date on local and global events. Have a great day, my friends, and until next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. 